This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. Breaking bones is a fairly common occurrence in life. We all know someone who has fractured their arm or perhaps broken their ankle. Maybe they were playing sport or they might have tripped over and fell on the stairs. Maybe they were a bit of a daredevil or were injured riding a bike. These sorts of breaks are quite common, and for the most part, doctors will just set the bone right and then put it in a cast to heal over a couple of weeks. If it's something particularly bad, it could involve surgery and the use of a plate or some pins to keep the bone in place while it heals. For surgeons, dealing with breaks to the femur, that is your upper leg bone, can be a significant challenge due to the way these bones tend to break. And for patients, they involve a painful recovery. It's not uncommon for someone with a broken femur to be completely out of action and unable to put weight on their leg for almost three months. However, a new type of implant has been developed that could stabilise these breaks and make it possible for patients to recover some mobility while their fracture heals. So how are current fractures to the femur dealt with? And how could this new invention potentially change patient recovery? There are two main requirements. I mean, the bone heals itself, but it needs a conducive environment to that. And on the one hand, it needs good biological potential, and that comes from the surrounding tissues and the blood vessels, which bring the cells that participate in the rebuilding process of the tissue and and the fusion of the new bone. But it also needs a stable mechanical environment. And by stable, we mean there needs to be a little bit of motion, just the right amount. It's kind of that Goldilocks situation that if uh, if we fix a fracture too rigidly, then it's almost like the body doesn't know that there's a fracture to heal um, and the biological response is subdued. On the other hand, if we induce too much motion in the fracture, then the body interprets this as perhaps there's meant to be a joint in the middle of the bone where the fracture is. And then it starts to build tissues like cartilage that we normally associate with our joints that facilitate relative motion between the rigid structures of our bones. My name's Devakri Pari. I'm an associate professor at the Queensland University of Technology. And so we need to strike the right balance of just enough stability that induces and supports the body's responses to heal, um, but is not excessive. Currently, these sorts of fractures are fixed with plates or rods or screws, depending on how the leg fractured. And they can be quite complex to fix, so rely a lot on the skill of the surgeon involved. And the stiffness of those devices, while not necessarily designed to support motion, is typically enabling some. But it's, it's at the hands of the surgeon and the experience of the surgeon to be able to create the right amount of stiffness in that implant to induce sufficient motion. And you can imagine that that's incredibly challenging when you've got patients of different sizes, different weights, different fracture configurations. Um, It's a very challenging task indeed. So Devaka and an international team from QUT and the AO Research Institute in Switzerland set out to solve this problem and take away some of the complexity. And they developed a new type of implant called a biphasic plate. Yes, yeah, so where the biophasic plate comes into that is it, it tries to take some of that, um, I guess, uh, experience level that's required on the part of surgeons and provide a more suitable mechanical environment by having this biphasic stiffness properties 
whereby it only takes a small amount of load to induce sufficient motion in the fracture to get that healing response. But the implant then becomes stiffer as the load is applied in order to limit too much motion from occurring. Can you give me a, a bit of an overview about how the biphasic plate works? How, how are you able to, I guess, you know, strike this right balance between stiffness and sort of flexibility? Yeah, so you, you've got these competing requirements when you're targeting um, fracture healing. On the one hand, you need this certain amount of flexibility that I talked about before, but you also need the implant to be strong enough to uh, and not to break under load. And current implants are typically non-weight-bearing, uh, so patients need to unload the implant. And, and this often creates a lot of problem for the patients as well. They're told that they can only partially weight-bear a certain amount of body weight but that's very difficult for them to follow. So the way that we achieve this um, biphasic performance, this improved balance between stiffness and strength was through a geometrical feature and not any real change in the material properties. And this has also been very valuable for us because in the world of medical devices, as much as we like to talk about the exciting develops in material science and things like that, it's actually very difficult from a biocompatibility point of view to bring new materials to the market. There's a lot of, a lot of work that needs to go into the assurances that the risks associated with those materials are acceptable. That's because you're putting it into the body and you, know, you don't want to put particular materials into the body. That's right. And, and even materials that we, we know very well are not without you know, s some, some complications that can occur like allergies and things like that. So we have a long history of using materials like stainless steel and titanium uh, as part of uh, implants in the body. Um, and so it's very hard to, for regulators to go against what we know with things that on the surface appear to be perhaps more novel and interesting but where we don't fully understand maybe what the long-term impacts might be within the body. Um, so, you know, there's many barriers to, to innovating new devices and, and certainly materials is one of them. Given some of these challenges, the research team focused on changing the geometric design of the implant rather than finding a new material to use. And the biphasic plate strikes this balance between flexibility and rigidness. And so the geometrical feature that I talked about, so the way that we, we get that increased performance is, well, if we want the, pay, the uh, implant to be stronger, we can make it thicker. But as we make it stronger, we're also going to make it less flexible. So in order to solve that, we put this transverse slot into the plate. And so what happens is initially there's a gap, which makes the plate less stiff. But when the gap closes in the plate, you then get the benefit of the full thickness of the material and an increase in stiffness and strength. So where is the team in the development process? And how could this biphasic plate change patient outcomes? That's coming up after this short break. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. 
For the Defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. The biphasic plate is designed to allow patients with fractures to the femur some mobility as they recover from their injury. So where is the team in the development process, and how long is it likely to be before the biphasic plate becomes the normal way to deal with femur fractures. We've just started that, I guess, what we call post-market phase where the device has been approved and we're able to use it in clinical cases. And the first case was was recently um, performed in Switzerland in, in quite a challenging uh, fracture, um, a result of a, a motor vehicle incident where there was quite substantial damage to um, both lower limbs. And so far, the performance um, has been very good with no complications. Um, It still will be some time before we know the full outcome with respect to that patient's, you know, um, we're about two or three weeks into that now. But really, we'll look, you know, after two or three months is the sort of time where we'll know the full outcome for that patient. Devaka says there's still a couple of years of testing and development still to go. Because designing medical devices takes a lot of time, you want to be careful and calculated because someone's life is on the line. So if it's successful, how could the biphasic plate change patient outcomes? Yeah, that's a good question. And, um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, I guess, strategies in research and development out there um, trying to look at can we accelerate healing to improve the recovery time? And... um, And that's certainly very worthwhile research to undertake. But where we see one of the, um, I guess, major benefits of of this technology is it may not necessarily lead to the fracture healing any faster. We certainly hope to reduce the complications and delayed healing associated with, I guess, inappropriate mechanical conditions that might lead to that under or over stimulation. But by having a much stronger implant, the potential is to get a functional recovery much earlier. So at the moment, patients typically are unable to fully weight bear until something like 12 to 14 weeks. There are some indications from some recent studies using some uh, custom-made fixation devices that patients, when provided with a strong enough implant, may be able to weight bear as soon as four or five weeks. And so that represents a clinically significant um, improvement uh, in in the rehabilitation and the patient's quality of life. Also making news today, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has claimed a 9.2% stake in Twitter, becoming the social media site's largest shareholder. 
Musk's slice of Twitter is worth nearly $3 billion and has caused the company's shares to rise by more than 27%. The news comes off the back of Musk openly criticizing Twitter in recent weeks and hints in Twitter comments to his followers that he was considering building his own social media platform. Since this announcement, Musk has already taken to Twitter to post a poll, asking his followers if they want an edit button, a feature that many Twitter users have long requested. It's not yet clear what Elon's goal is here. Is he just trying to assert influence over the platform, or is he hoping to eventually buy out the company? The United Kingdom's Royal Mint is set to create its own NFT. Few details have been provided, but a statement from Her Majesty's Treasury has called the move a forward-looking approach to crypto assets and signals the UK government is taking crypto seriously. Further details are expected to be announced soon. A second attempt by NASA to fuel the Artemis 1 moon rocket for a test launch phase has failed due to a problem with a valve. Fueling began on Monday, but a vent valve used to relieve pressure from the rocket's core stage during the fueling process became stuck. In a statement on Twitter, NASA's Deputy Director for Ground Systems, Jeremy Parsons, said the team is working to prepare the vehicle for another attempt. The 322-foot Space Launch System rocket takes about 700,000 gallons, or 2.6 million litres, of super-chilled liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen propellant. The test is what NASA calls a wet dress rehearsal and includes a full launch countdown. The agency said a crew will investigate the issue at the launch pad before making a decision on a path forward. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was hosted by me, Christopher Lawson, and produced by James Parkinson. To listen to previous episodes of The Defrag, you can head across to our website, thedefrag.com, and also find us on social media. Just search for The Defrag. That's all the news today. I'll be back with more tomorrow.